Hello. Hello. Ew. Why do you have that look on your face? Did you not hear that like croak in no. my throat? Why do you always have weird bodily I issues right when we start? It's literally <laughs> continuing. I'm Brittany. I'm Kai. Welcome to What in the Actual Fuck. We're really sorry that it's been, has it been two weeks without uh, an episode? Two weeks, yeah. So, a lot of you asked me last week, how do I balance it all? Sometimes you can't. Sometimes there's too much going on, and there's too many pieces. What, Kylie? I just feel like that's describing my life right now. I think it's both of our lives in oh, general. Yeah. Um, so that's why we had visitors, we had people in and out of the house, I had work, Kai had work, I have school, and I have the podcast. So. It was so much, guys. Not that it's an excuse, but let me just say, we in this household were so severely sick. And oh, yeah. That, I forgot we were sick. I don't know how you forgot, because <laughs> I have yet to recover. That norovirus, I'm just telling you now will fuck you up. It's not fun, people. There is no more of a humbling experience, guys, than to be throwing up in a toilet while you're shitting into a bucket. Wait, you do it that way? Well, sometimes, because I was... <laughs> when I first got that sick, I didn't realize that it was going to come out my ass as well. So I had only made my face get to the toilet in time. I... Then had to quickly, while attempting not to throw up, <laughs> grab a fucking bucket and sit on it. So for the rest of us normal people, we do it the reverse way. But okay, girl, you didn't have time. Look, I get it. Sometimes you can't make it. And like <gasps> I said, there's no more ew, of a humbling experience. It just really brings you back to earth. Ooh, yeah. We had it rough over here. We have had a lot going on, but we're back. We're back. We're back. And shout out to my girl, Alyssa M. Uh, she had sent me a couple messages like, why the fuck haven't I gotten episodes? This is stupid. Sorry. Sorry. But here we are. We're back. We are back. And today is going to be, I think it's going to be a quickie. Quickie. But yeah, I'll let you guys decide what you think of it. Um, it's gonna leave you a little, little puzzled. Oh, puzzled. Okay. Okay. As long as I'm not going into work tonight. And so there's I'm... not any huge triggers. It is. It's a really, really sad story. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I wouldn't say there's anything that should trigger anybody too severely. Um, there is talks of suicide, um, and then an unusual death. All right. Okay. So on March eighth. 2008, 18-year-old Joshua Vernon Maddox left his father's home in Woodland Park, Colorado. Another Colorado. Mm. And I didn't know that going into this one. I just want to say that. Mm. He told his sister, Kate Maddox, that he was going for a walk. She stated, quote, Josh was an avid nature lover and loved to go for hikes, end quote. So she didn't think anything of him leaving and expected that he would come home after his walk. However, Joshua never came home and his disappearance puzzled the people who loved him most. This is what in the actual fuck, and today's story is one that will leave you feeling puzzled and uneasy. Oh. Cue the music. Cure wet. A nifty little intro to intro. Yeah. Oh, I, I was like feeling, it. you know, classy. I wanted to say classy, not classy. Froggy. 
No. No? <laughs> froggy like, froggy, happy, excited, different. No. No? I don't oh, know. Okay. I, my mind doesn't work right anymore. I don't feel as though I'm functioning normally. I don't. I don't think we are. Mm. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Josh. He was described as a very smart and funny person. His sister Kate said, quote, Josh was a free spirit and he always told us that he was going to have a great adventure and he may not talk to us for a while. When mm -hmm. he said a while, we thought maybe a few years, end quote, but it wouldn't be a few years. Joshua disappeared in 2008 and he wouldn't be found until 2015. And how old is he? He was 18 at the time that oh, he disappeared. Oh, okay. I don't know why for some reason I think I... For some reason, thought we were talking about a younger kid. Mm -mm. I was like, if any younger child was like, I'm going on an adventure. I won't talk to you for a while. I'd be like, mm. no. sit down, little Timmy. No, you're not. No. Josh was 18, and he was he was definitely a free spirit. He had long hair, um, but he liked to like sit out in the woods and play his guitar. Is this the like, one case? Mm -hmm. Oh, all right. And he liked to write uh -huh. and all that kind of stuff, so they didn't think much of it. Right. Um, he was easygoing and talented. He loved being outside, and again, he's a free spirit. His sister said, quote, he spent most of his time writing fictional stories and playing music. Nice. He had an interesting and unique sense of style. People in his high school class knew him for being that, quote, awesome kid who wore a top hat and brought a briefcase to school instead of a backpack. Stop. There was a subtle sophistication about him that made him interesting and a standout, end quote. Josh was six foot tall and about 150 pounds. Jeez. His mother and father divorced. And he lived at his father's home with his two older sisters, Kate and Ruth. Mm -hmm. Everyone described him as happy, although he had struggled previously. Just two years prior, his older brother, Zachary, whom he idolized, committed suicide just a week before his high school graduation. Josh really struggled with the loss of his brother, but his family said he was becoming happy again, and they had no concerns about his mental health. Mm -hmm. His father, Mike, stated, quote, I buried his older brother two years before. And it was so difficult on Josh. When mm. his brother died, it pushed him over the edge. It was a big shock for the family and a big shock for Josh. He thought very highly of his brother. End Goodness. Quote. Yeah. Grief is such an interesting, um, I don't want to say concept, but like everybody deals with grief in a very different way. Oh, definitely. And I think... And I can't imagine. He did struggle like severely in those two years leading up to him disappearing. Right. But I think that he had turned a corner, and mm -hmm. so this was really shocking because there weren't any questions about his mental health. He seemed happy. He was well-adjusted. Right. So it just really confused his family, and the mm -hmm. only big thing in his life that they could point to that might have caused that, some disruption yeah. was the suicide. Gotcha. But they weren't worried about it. That's so interesting. And I always, I just never understand how families that suffer multiple tragedies with yes. their children, I... I truly can't comprehend how that would be. Blows my mind. It's so and sad. Like how much grief they had to deal I, with. I can't and not imagine. Not only that, but like as the story goes on, they've suffered for so long. Right. So Oof. on that morning, Josh told his sister goodbye and he left home. His father stated, "Quote: I got up one morning and Josh was there. Then he just never came home. The next day he still didn't come home. I called his friends. Nobody had seen him. Nobody knows where he is." End quote. For seven years, his family searched for him. Oh. His father looked for him in the faces of every young man he passed. He looked in homeless shelters, campgrounds, and everywhere else they could think of. After five days, they did report Josh as missing. There was never any trace of Josh. His sister Kate said, quote, We had hope of him being alive. 
And I feel like in a sense he continued to live on with us because we had so many dreams of what he could possibly be doing, end quote. So there was a period for the family where they thought he just went off to have his big adventure. Got ya. Okay. And so they were keeping that as hope. And you had said he, just that day, had told his sister he was going to go for a walk, right? Yeah, he was just going to go for a Right, and a then walk he just never, nature. no trace. No. Nope. Just gone. Nothing. Ugh. They couldn't find anything of his anyway. That gives me chills. So they talked about, did he leave and join a band to travel the country? Did he go to live the life of solitude out in nature that he wanted and would one day return with children and a wife to introduce to his family? Mm-hmm. The possibilities for his family were endless, but they held on to hope. But you had also said he kind of set it up to the fact that if he did kind of go and go he on this apparent adventure, they wouldn't hear from yeah. him, right? So that's why they held on to so much hope. Gotcha. I was going like, to say, He's such a yeah. free spirit. He's 18 years old. Right. Did he just go and follow some dream that he had and one day he'll come home? Right. Because even if, like, I told you, oh, I'm home. I'm going to go mm. on an adventure. You're not a free spirit. <laughs> you could, like, you would hear from me at least, like, once a week. You know right. what I mean? To check in. Now, right. all of a sudden, if it's, like years and you yeah. haven't heard from me yeah i'm sure you'd be but like what he the like fuck? he was that kid that loved being alone like gotcha. loved nature uh, they could see him out living in a cabin with no telephone and you know like that that's what they were clinging to right mm. um mike's mike josh's dad even kept his home after the divorce and josh's disappearance busy because he hoped that he would return and that their house was the only place he would know to go. Oh, when parents do Ugh, that, it gives, it me, gives me chills. Horrible. When they just, they're constantly stuck in, in that. Time. Yeah, like idea of like waiting. if they do come home, I want them to come home and know where to go. Right. Oh, it makes me so sad. However, on August 7th, 2015, their hopes and dreams were crushed. Construction workers were demolishing a historic cabin just a couple blocks mm. from Josh's home. And they found human remains mummified in the fetal position inside of the stone chimney. This, I remember when I stumbled upon this case, is the fucking weirdest, mind-blowing thing I've ever heard. It's insanity. Y'all just wait. It's just crazy. Alborn, the coroner, ruled his death as accidental by unknown causes. He believed that Josh had climbed into the chimney gotten stuck and succumbed to exposure in the cold elements, which, at the time, temperatures would drop to the high 20s. This is August in Colorado. Right. Mm, No. Or a lack of food and water. Maybe he got stuck and couldn't get out. Right. Now, uh, just out of curiosity, because I can't remember and I don't know the details of it, like, did he... So, you obviously have, like, your fireplace. Mm-hmm. Did he crawl up in? or like? I don't know, but, but I'll like, get into it. Okay. I was going to say, because a lot of times I know when people get stuck, like, upside down, you obviously, like, asphyxiate. Right. The coroner believes that he crawled in from the top of the chimney. So, he so would have like been, like, he- his head would have been down. So, he could have. Okay. Here we go. Oh, sorry. Born stated his feet were down. He was in the fetal position. Interestingly, Josh was only wearing a long sleeve thermal shirt, and the rest of his clothing was found inside the cabin by the fireplace. Yeah, see, this is so where he, shit gets weird. Yeah. Bourne said, and this is the corner, quote, mm-hmm. the hard tissues showed no signs of any trauma. There were no broken bones, there were no knife marks, there were no bullet holes. End quote. Author- authorities identified Josh through a combination of dental records, gender analysis, and forensics. Hmm. Now... The owner of the cabin, Chuck Murphy, 
stated that his brother had lived in that cabin about a decade ago, but since then they just used it for storage and there were occasional break-ins. Quote, the place was damp. It smelled like hell. There was, there was raccoon poop all over the place. Oh. End quote. He was there when they discovered Josh's body. An earth mover was being used and it peeled back a steel fireplace insert that was within the chimney. However, Murphy said he doesn't agree with the coroner's theory of accidental death because there was rebar installed on the top of the chimney to keep animals out. So it's like a steel covering outside on top of the chimney. You Mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to get in there. There was no way for Josh to climb in from the top. He thinks Josh was forced into the chimney and stated, quote, he did not come down that chimney, end quote. It's, I, uh, gosh, this case. It's insane. So Josh's sister, Kate, stated, quote, it doesn't make sense. The only thing we can figure is he was being an 18-year-old kid checking out a cabin. It had already been abandoned for a long time, and a horrible accident happened, end quote. The coroner expanded on his theory, suggesting that maybe the teen was trying to enter the cabin by shimmying down the chimney, and then he got stuck. When his body was found, his knees were reportedly above his head, and his hand was covering his face. He does not suspect foul play and ruled the death accidental. So he he was upside down, right? Yes. I'm trying to picture it. It's so hard to see in my head. It's really hard to picture, especially they describe it several different ways. But my thing is, okay, you keep saying like, oh, okay, maybe he was trying to break in, like, but there's no way to get in from the top. But not only that, if he was breaking in, how are his clothes neatly folded? Yeah, see, that's, the chimney yeah, inside? so sketchy. Quote, it was not an instant death, mm. Born told HuffPost. How he died is only a matter of speculation. But we know he did not starve to death because that takes many weeks. So then you go down the chain and you have dehydration, which can take just a few days. And the other things would be hypothermia, which could take a day or two. We have no evidence to say which one came first. End quote. I mean, the only thing I can think of if it would be the hypothermia was because the dude said the cabin was damp. And maybe in the 20s, okay, if he's just in the flannel. I still. That's fishy to me. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, so Chuck, the guy who owned the cabin, mm-hmm. countered the coroner's ruling by pointing out several facts that didn't make sense. Number one, Josh was found with his knees over his head. Who enters a chimney head first? Yeah, I don't... Number two, the chimney had a steel rebar covering. Right. It would have been nearly impossible for him to get into the chimney in the first place. Yep. And now, when they did find his bodies and the police went, body, and went back, that rebar was nowhere to be found, but... Chuck said that they had already removed some of that stuff gotcha. to take away for construction, but he said it was still on there when they were tearing down the house. Got Okay, so he for sure knew it yeah. was there. Number three, yeah. Huh. Josh was only wearing a thermal suit. Police found the rest of his clothing inside neatly folded. Why would he get naked, go outside, climb into the chimney barely clothed? And if he was trying to sneak in through the chimney, how were his clothes inside already? Right, exactly. How did Chuck not notice those clothes for so many years? Yeah. Because he went in and checked the cabin a few times. There was, for one thing, the mysterious shifting of a large wooden breakfast bar that had been torn from the wall in the kitchen and dragged over to block the chimney from view inside the cabin. Oh, no. This fact was probably the very reason that Chuck himself had not noticed anything unusual about the chimney in the first place. However, the question remained that if the breakfast bar had been torn from the wall, Mm -hmm. who did it and why? My thing is, if I'm going to check and all of a sudden 
a fucking bar has been ripped out of where it usually is to cover like a chimney I'm going to uncover the chimney and be like who is trying to hide well something? in Chuck's defense like it's an old abandoned cabin they had break-ins so he was probably like oh somebody's been in here I don't some stuff around again. I don't think I would move it. I'd be like, oh, see, I would it's all be, gross, damp, and I'm nasty. I'm like sketchy as hell. Like, who? Why are you blocking something like that? I wouldn't think that it was used to block something. I would just mm. think they tore it off and moved it somewhere. I guess. I don't know. Um, because of these unanswered questions, Al Bore re-examined Josh's body. However, he came to the same conclusion as before. My thing is, you said he was mummified, mm-hmm. so he still obviously had like skin and everything on him. They didn't find like ligature marks like nope, there were no strangling there was no trauma to the tissue there were no mm. bullet holes no knife wounds nothing man i don't know but that's, but that's not to say they couldn't strang- strangle him well that but like he easily could have been like suffocated with something because a lot of times yeah you can't like tell someone has been suffocated yep. mm. so police wanted to close the case and just rule it an accidental death no However, there was a rumor going around town that someone had been bragging about killing Josh. The cops cops ignored this rumor, citing irrelevance. However, one person went on to Reddit to share the information since the cops wouldn't listen. Wow. The post stated, quote, I went to high school with this skinny, dorky hippie named Andy who played guitar in a band. I was never good friends with him or anything, but a year or so after I graduated, one of my good friends, Josh, started hanging out with him and then he went missing. Last I heard, Andy was telling another friend, quote, yeah, me and Josh have been spending a lot of time together. We're planning a trip to New Mexico. In the same thread, the original poster also explained how Andy swore to have, quote, put Josh in a hole, end quote. What? So who is Andy? Right. And did they not look into, like, the, the brother that was staying in the cabin? No, because that was 10 years before this happened. Oh, okay. Like, okay. he had moved out, and then the cabin was abandoned. Had been abandoned for a decade. Time. Okay, okay, yeah. gotcha. So who's Andy? Andrew Richard Newman, apparently, he was a man from California who was randomly traveling, like, all over the place. He was just living, like, a nomadic life. Right. He had a long criminal history, and people were disturbed when they found out that he had been hanging out with Josh. However, it wasn't unreasonable to think because they were both into music and traveling and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do we know what his criminal life was? In 2009, Mm -hmm. Andy was in New Mexico staying at a friend's house. His friend was taking care of an elderly, disabled man at the time. One day, he went to take a shower, and when he came back out, the elderly elderly man had been stabbed to death, and Andy was gone. What? Yeah. Andy was arrested a few months later in Texas County, where he also admitted to killing another woman in New Mexico, and to a burglary that occurred in Florida. Okay. Weirdly, New Mexico authorities already had a suspect in the murder case and charged that person without even investigating Andy. Ugh. When the police investigating Josh's murder hear of this lead, they dismissed it. Ugh. They couldn't put Andy in Woodland Park at the time of Josh's disappearance and claimed seven years was too long and that people forget that kind of information. Mm. However, it is suspicious that they are unwilling to look into Andy, especially with him openly discussing that he had murdered Josh. Well, that and obviously he's been around like multiple people that are like at least he's- one person that's been murdered. That and, and he admitted to murdering the woman in New Mexico. Oh my lord. This is where this tragic story ends. There's no other information. I know. It seems as though the investigation is over and people are willing to accept the coroner's theory of accidental death. I cannot work out how those discrepancies are there. No. Or how he ended up in the chimney. No. It seems far more likely, in my opinion, that someone forced Josh into that chimney, but who am I? 
100%. I think there was definite foul play. It just doesn't make it sense. It doesn't make sense. At all. At all. And the coroner, like, explain to me how his clothes were neatly folded inside if right. you're saying he climbed in through the chimney to break in. Yeah, so he... Why he, was the breakfast bar ripped he, from the So he wall. broke in, but then got naked and decided to re-break in outside. Right. It makes zero sense. And just fold his clothes neatly? And you have a very... And why did he take off his clothes to begin with? I don't... You have a very likely suspect as well. To me, this is so negligent of police. And I didn't go too far into the police's investigation of it. There's really not a lot of information. Well, it I sounds feel like, as though they didn't investigate much at all. Well, clearly, they're just all mm, accidental. How odd. Moving on. Does it, Did his family just, like, accept it? His sister talks a lot, and I guess she had posted on Facebook and stuff all about it. And his dad talked a lot about it, but... I think they're just as lost. And I think in those circumstances when police, coroners, everybody's telling you it was an accident. Right. And I think, I'm sure, too, they had held out hope for so long mm-hmm. that it's kind of one of those they just need to start moving on. Me, personally, Not a chance. I ain't letting that shit go. Oh, I, oh, this case is mind-boggling. I, it, mm. I'll end this story with a quote from Josh's sister. Quote, the last seven years has been really difficult and painful, but given the strange circumstances, it's kind of a miracle that we're having the opportunity now to give him the proper service and burial he deserves. Mm. He's not lost anymore. This isn't how we wanted him to come home, but he has come home, and that's important. Mm. End quote. It's so sad. And like I said, I'm sure it's kind of a way for them to cope and start to probably put their life back together especially this being the second very traumatic thing that has happened to someone in their family but still i don't know i don't know what's worse like having the hope and dreaming that he's out there living a good life and right he'll eventually return or knowing that he was two blocks from your home the entire time Ooh, i don't know i i don't know did they do like search parties and stuff yeah they looked everywhere yeah. but why would you think to look up in a chimney even oh, if somebody know, saw man. those clothes, like, I wouldn't be like, oh, someone must be in the chimney. Like, I wouldn't even think of that. I don't know. I'm very obsessive about shit. So if I'm on the hunt for you, you best believe there's not a rock you could hide <laughs> under that you would get away from me. No, I don't think I would have put that together. Like, you just wouldn't think somebody's in the chimney. And especially with their clothes. Yeah. Right outside of it. But I, Kate did say, the sister, that... They had never even come across that cabin. It's two blocks from their home, and they conducted multiple search parties. That's what I'm saying. So, like, it obviously was an abandoned cabin at the time. How they didn't do, but I'm not saying that other people didn't search it. That's what I'm saying. But she's saying like we didn't come across that. Right. That's just weird. But it's weird. Like so weird. And if someone's saying they did it, that has a long criminal history and admitting to other murders. No. Nope. Sorry, not fucking sorry. Uh, I think it was foul play, and I believe that the police fucked up royally with this. I think they saw a very easy out and wanted to quickly move on from this case. Very shitty. I don't know the whole story. Hmm. In this case, I'm not going to blame the police or anybody else because I didn't find enough information to support that they didn't investigate Mm -hmm. it more, or who was in charge even. Right. Really, the whole story... 
if you do additional research on this, is all from the coroner. Right. And then Chuck, like Chuck, some kind of expert, the 79-year-old right. cabin owner. But you know what? Good for him to be like, oh, this he, is real fucking suspect, y'all. He, like, <laughs> openly was like, like excuse nah, me. You're wrong. <laughs> this like, is he, some weird shit. He didn't come down that. He was, like, brazen. Right. Like, well, no. And it's, it's interesting that he was the one that was kind of, like, stepping up and being like, hey, there's some discrepancies that are real suspect because a lot of times if... A dead body is found on someone's property. They could be the one to blame. So you would think they'd be like, oh, oh what a weird accident. <laughs> he was like, nah. He's like, excuse me. This it's is odd. Here. Yeah. He was in the chimney the wrong way. Nobody just you know dives headfirst into a chimney. Good for you, Chuck. Yeah, Chuck. Uh, so what we'll do, phenomenal case, by yeah, the Sorry, way. it's short. I had to pick something that was... Look, we're just getting back into it. We're getting there. I got we, a lot of homework. We got a lot going on. <laughs> but I think those two weeks, like we said, we dealt with so much. We will get back to our normal routine. But this was a good case. You did awesome. Thank you. We will, uh, I noticed, you know how we can do like little polls and stuff mm -hmm. when we post those episodes. We can post either like a poll or like the interactive, what do you think, yada, yada. Because we want to hear your guys' thoughts. Yeah. Tell us what you think. Do you do think you, it was an accident? Do you think it was an accident? Do we feel it was foul play? Do you know more information on this case? Yeah. Very good job, Brittany. Well, thank you. Do you want to give us a teaser for next week? No, I do not. Lame. Mm -hmm. All right, Bye. guys. Until next time, friends, we're back. Bye. Bye. Yeah.